Well, how awesome is it that we get to celebrate today these graduates, but also I just couldn't help but think, wouldn't it be awesome if every life transition were this obvious? Anybody? They feel like that. Wouldn't it be great if, hey, little, by the way, you're about to graduate to something else. That would be great because I know that for these guys, they've been looking forward to this day for a long time and they've been planning about what's next and thinking about what's next and everybody's probably been bugging you to death about what's next, right? But for the rest of us, we know if we've made it through this point in life, there's still lots of nexts, but not every next we have is so obvious as this one. And so I think it's times like this that not only do I wanna share with you guys this morning, but I wanna share with everyone and, and let's ask the question together, how can I prepare for what's next? Um, because if we're still breathing, there's a next. And God has something for us. God's created each and every one of us in a way where he's gifted us and he's given us experiences. And we've lived life in such a way that God has a plan for us that he wants to bring us into fullness of life is what his word promises over and over and over and over again. And it's just really point blank simple. And for those that may have never heard me speak before, um, simple and easy are not the same thing, right? Simple just means I can explain it. Doesn't necessarily mean I can do it because sometimes it's hard to do these things, but it's simple to explain. And there is a truth of God's word that he wants us to find life in following him. Anything else that we pursue other than God is gonna lead us to a less than life. God wants to lead us to life to the fullest. So no matter what it is that you are doing in life, no matter what it is that you have for a job or your relationships or the things that are going on in life around you, the pursuit of God is what's going to lead you to life, not success or failure in each of those things. And so the more that we learn that, the more that we find fullness of life, but we need to be prepared for what God might have for us next. And one of my favorite passages in all of scripture is 1 Timothy. You can maybe tell that because one of my children may be named after that. But also because it is a point in time where Paul, the writer of this book, is reaching the end of his life and he is pouring into Timothy, who he loves, words of wisdom to prepare him for what is next. So the whole thing is good. We're not going to read the whole thing. But he's pouring into Timothy these words of wisdom to help him prepare for life. And so I just want to walk through some of this starting in verse 3 of chapter 6. And here's what he tells Timothy. First of all, if anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, with the teaching that promotes godliness... He is conceited and understands nothing, but has an unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments over words. From these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, and constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. So right off the bat here in this passage, Paul's telling Timothy, look, you need to make sure that you're watching out for people that teach a gospel that's different than the gospel that you've been taught, that you know, that you've been 
poured into about because he said you're going to run out there and there's going to be people in this world that just love to argue they love to justify they love to make excuses for themselves and they love to manipulate the gospel to fit their narrative and they're doing that so that they can have personal gain and what they see is they see that the gospel is there to just kind of help them do the things in life that they want to do they don't see it as a path to life when we lay our life down and seek God, but they see it as just a way to material gain. And that's not what it's here for at all. He goes on and he gives a great word of wisdom. Verse six, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I can't tell you how many people I meet in life that are just unsatisfied for so many reasons, and we live in a culture that fuels our unsatisfaction. And where you're going to find satisfaction, let me just go ahead and tell you, it's not in a collection of stuff, because you know how much is enough? Just a little bit more. That's how much is enough. And, and it's not gonna be in other people, because as, as close as relationships we may build and as good as people we may find in life, people are people, they're not God. They make great friends, they make horrible gods. And eventually you're going to find something in people that are going to disappoint you, let you down, frustrate you, do this along the way. We do life together with people because we recognize each other's shortcomings. But we have to learn to be content in Christ. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. And one of the most misquoted verses in all of Scripture. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some had wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Basically what he's saying here is there's people who are trying to manipulate God's word for their personal gain. And in doing so, now all they're after is a collection of stuff. And what they're finding is that all of these things don't add up to satisfaction. And it leads them down a path of destruction just trying to gain all these things that aren't going to matter anyway. And so you need to understand that whether God blesses you with a lot, which is great if he does, or whether God blesses you with a little, which is fine if he does, that godliness with contentment is the great gain. It's not in the things that we have. And he goes on to tell him some pretty straightforward words. But you, man of God, flee from these things. Don't pursue those things. Pursue something else. He says, pursue righteousness, godliness, Faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. I'm going to say that again. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God who gives life to all and of Christ Jesus who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate. I charge you. To keep this command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will bring this about in his own time. He is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal 
and who lives an unapproachable light and whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal power. Amen. Timothy's saying, pursue God. Pursue God. Run after the things of God because these are what's going to bring life. Don't get distracted by the other things. The most important thing that you will pursue for the rest of your life is your relationship with Christ, period. That's it. And then he goes on and he says, Timothy, you're going to be in leadership, so here's what you need to do as well. Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Now, again, the whole book's good, and that's a long passage as well. But what are we pursuing? What are we holding on to? What are we looking for? How do we prepare for what is next? And so I just want to use this scripture as a foundation and share just maybe a few words for life's next steps. And again, this isn't just for the graduates in the room, right? This is for all of us because life is going to have next in it. So how, how do we take those steps forward? What do we look forward to? How do we get ready for that? And the first word of advice that I always love to give people is this, relax. <laughs> relax, because I can't mess up God's plans. Just relax. Now, you can choose to be in God's plans. You can choose to be out of God's plans. But your decisions are not going to mess up God's plans. Because God, let me just think about it this way. God's will and God's plan has been in place long before we were here, and it's going to be in place and moving long after we're gone. And God's will and God's plan was moving and in place while I lived a life as a sinner, separated from God, ignoring God, not caring about God, not knowing who he was, and living life for myself. Yet God's will and God's plan was still happening. So why would I think that now that I'm trying to pursue the things of God, that somehow I'm going to do something that messes up God's plans? It's not going to happen. Now, am I going to do things that messes up relationships? Yep. Am I going to do things that mess up my finances? Yep. Am I going to do things that mess up my life at times? Yes, but I'm not going to mess up God's plans. And so the great news that we have is that God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to pay the price for our sins and our shortcomings so that we can find life in Christ. And you have an invitation every day to pursue God with all you have. And the choice is really laid clear to me in this passage. We are either pursuing God or we're pursuing ourselves, And that's just the truth of it. And graduates, for the rest of your life, you're going to pursue God or you're going to pursue yourself. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of have a, a unique kind of connection here is that you guys hit the youth ministry right as I hit this church. And so uh, we've both kind of been on this journey a little bit together. We've all been through three youth ministers, okay, uh, together with that. But you have a lot of people who have been pouring into your life over these years and doing a lot of things. And really, the one thing that we want to leave you with more than anything else is whatever you pursue as a job or in relationships, pursue God more than you pursue that, and you'll find success. There's not a formula. There's not a plan for that. It's just pursue God with all of your heart, and when you do that, that's where you're going to find life. And as you do that, get ready because you're going to make mistakes, 
And those mistakes are okay as long as you're continuing to go after God with all your heart. Because we're not going to make it through this unscathed. We're not going to make it through this. Now, mistakes have consequences. That's just the truth of life, right? God doesn't come to go, oh, you made a mistake. That's okay. We'll just kind of ignore that and move on. No, sometimes we make mistakes in life that cost us things, that hurt other people, that separate things, that have things that happen with them. But that still does not derail God's plan. So relax. As you decide what my major is going to be this time. I only had five of them. I just want you to know that. Okay. But as you decide what that next step is going to be and, and where this is going to be and what's going on, God is behind you. He's rooting for you. He's with you. And he loved you while you were separated from him. And he loves you even more now that you're pursuing him. Proverbs remind us that a person's, person's heart plans his ways, but the Lord determines his steps. And so let the Lord determine your steps. And then this great, great promise that we get in Romans 8. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. He doesn't say that all things are good. He says that we have a God that's so big that he can take our mistakes and our mess ups and with time and with pursuit of him, he can make good things from them. He can show us life even though our life has been headed down a wrong direction for so long. So just relax Follow what God wants for you and move into that next step. And then I've already said it, but I'm going to say it again. Pursue what matters most. Pursue what matters most. And you're going to be distracted in this life by lots of things that seemingly matter most, but there's absolutely nothing that matters more than your relationship with God. And I love how Timothy gets this command from Paul, flee from those things and pursue righteousness Godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. You can just say that over and over. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Pursue those things. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And when you pursue what matters most, the great gift that God gives you is that he takes care of everything else. Jesus himself said it in scripture, Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. But what's gonna happen along the way is you're gonna be tempted to start trying to provide things for yourself. But you need to remember to pursue the things that matter most and let God provide for you. Adults, no matter where you are in the next step, you're gonna be tempted to go, I gotta have all the answers, I gotta do all these things, I gotta line all this up, and God may be going, just follow me, just trust me, just take this step. I know you don't see it. Let him provide, because the more that we step in and start providing for ourselves, the more that what we're actually saying is, I'm good enough without you, God, and I'm just gonna live life the best I can. And do you want life the best that you can do, or do you want life the best that God can do? If you want life the best that God can do, then you pursue him with all that you have. You know, in the midst of this, as I already said, Paul's reaching the end of his life. Timothy is getting ready to step into positions of leadership that he's never had before. He's been watching from a distance. Other people do some of these things, and now he's about to step into this. And, and sometimes that's nerve-wracking, and, and sometimes we're impatient with that, or sometimes we rush into it, or sometimes we rush away from those type of things. And so let me just give you this word of advice as well. Embrace the season. Embrace the season. Life is made up of a lot of seasons. 
And when we learn to recognize that sometimes God has us in a season of joy and sometimes we're in a season of difficulty and sometimes we're just walking through some things not knowing what's going on and sometimes our path is clear and we know exactly what we're doing. It's, it's seasons. And each season has a purpose and a meaning for us. And when we embrace those seasons and take them in fully, then that's where we live life to the fullest. You know, I said this in our Bible study class today. I'll just say it again. When Jesus says in John 10, 10, that I came, that they can have life and have it to the full, you do understand if you're going to have a full life, that means it's, it's full. You understand the breadth of it. That's mean there's going to be some very high highs for you in life. But it also means a fullness of life means that you're going to have some very low lows. But God's going to walk with you through those and then you're going to see the fullness of life. And I can tell you from experience words that might not make sense right now. But it's by walking through some of the lowest lows in life that I can actually appreciate the highest highs. And, and, and we don't ever want to walk through those. We don't ever want those in our life. But when we learn to embrace the season and just go, God, this is where I am right now. And this is difficult. And this is not what I wanted. And this is something that I'm trying to figure out. When we embrace that and we see that God's leading us through that, that's when we begin to understand the fullness of life that he has for us. The smartest man ever, Solomon, wrote these words in Ecclesiastes. He said, there's an occasion for everything. A time and activity under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing. It's called COVID. Okay, thank you. See, the eight o'clock crowd, that just went right, right by them. Like that. Y'all got that one. Maybe I set it up better this time. I don't know. Time to embrace, a time to avoid embracing. A time to search and a time to count as loss. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And what Solomon is saying in this is it's seasons. We would love to have that day like Groundhog Day, right, where we just can put it on repeat and it's just the same thing and the temperature was perfect and the day was perfect and everybody got along and I just want to wake up and I want to live that day again and I want to live that day again and I want to live that day again, but it just doesn't happen that way. Life comes in seasons. Sometimes those seasons are short. Sometimes those seasons are long. But when we learn to embrace the season that we're in and live it to the fullest, then we also learn to walk into that next season and embrace it to the fullest. We don't live our life trying to hold on to the past. We begin to live our life trying to look forward to the future of what God has for us. You know, and, and it, it kind of bewilders me at times that as followers of Christ, sometimes it's like we prepare for heaven more than we prepare for tomorrow. But God's word wants us to live each life, live each day, finding the life that he has for us, not just to drudge through this life and one day make it to heaven. He wants you to have fullness of life today. And that fullness of life does not, it's, it's not dictated by your circumstances. It's dictated by your relationship. It's dictated by how you pursue God in the moment. And I can say that is true from my life experience that I have experienced the closeness of God in some of the most tragic times in my life. And I've experienced the closeness of God in some of the most joyous times of my life as well. 
The, the circumstances around my life don't, tick, don't dictate God's love for me. It's my pursuit of him and my relationship. So embrace the season and allow God to lead. And then I think there's one other instruction that he gives here that I think is beneficial for all of us, and that is this, be generous. Be generous. I mean, he's making it as plain as he can to say, life's not all about me. It's not about collecting all these things. It's not about having all these things. So it would beg the question to go, well, if I have these blessings and I have these things, what am I supposed to do with them? You're supposed to be generous. You're supposed to live your life for the glory of God and for the help of other people. And and so that's why he says, instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. You see, he's not just talking about our finances. He's talking about everything about us living in an aspect of generosity, Learning to find life in the fact that it's not about me. Learning to serve others, not to be recognized, but just because I'm a generous person and I love and I serve. Learning to do things for others to help them get further, faster than you did, just because you can. And not sit back and go, well, I had to pay my dues and they got to pay their dues as well. I mean, just blaze a trail for someone and let them do something else. Let them get the glory for it. Let them do the things for it. It's not about you, and you will find more life the more that you learn just to be generous with your talent and with your time and with your finances and everything because then you don't get all worried about, oh, my gosh, I've got all this stuff. How do I take care of it? How do I get more of it? What do I do? You live your life in such a way that says, God, you have blessed me abundantly more than I can imagine, and I'm just going to enjoy blessing others as much as I can. God's made some of you people very, very, very intelligent. And you're going to do some incredible things in your life that I'll never be able to do. And if you keep that to yourself, what good does that do anybody else? So bless others with that. God's given you some skills and abilities to be able to share with other people. What good does that do to just keep to ourselves? God has blessed some of you financially. And you have the ability to have lots of things and lots of stuff. What good does it do for you to keep it all to yourself when you can bless other people with that? That's what he's saying. Timothy, be generous. I mean, Jesus put it this way in Luke 6, 31. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you'd like somebody to do that for you, well, then do it for them. It's that old thing they told us when we were toddlers, right? You want to be a friend, you got to have a friend if you want to be a friend. Okay, be a friend if you want to have a friend, that one. I keep getting it backwards. I didn't listen very well. I don't have any friends, okay? But if you want to have a friend, you got to be a friend. If you want to do something for other people then that's where you're going to learn to find that joy in life. If you want things in your life, then do things for other people. Man, I heard a a story one time of a guy who was just envious of someone else's car, and it was bothering him because he was like, man, why can't I have a car like that? Why can't I do that? And God told him one day, how about you just go wash it for the guy? He was like, are you serious? And so he's like, he did. He just went up to him. He goes, I love your car. He goes, thanks. He goes, can, can I wash it? He's like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, man. I just, I just want to take care of it for you. I can't have it, but I would just love to do that. And that was one of the ways he dealt with, with envy and things. He just started loving on people who had more than him and taking care of it for him. I was like, how awesome is that? So you find joy when you live life in that way, and it doesn't become all about you. I love you. We're celebrating you today, but life is not about you. And, and the earlier that you figure out that your life is going to be best when you can pour into other people, we're doing for you what we hope you go out and do for other people. We're, we're honoring you and blessing you and saying congratulations and great job and keep it going. But you're going to find life when you learn to give it away.
In Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, Jesus says, anyone who finds his life will lose it, and anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. So the bottom line here is I'll find life the more I give it away. I'll find life the more I give it away. That's what Timothy's saying. It's not about you. It's not about you being the focus. Man, there are times when we want to celebrate with you and come alongside. But if you live your life in such a way that says, I, I want to get to the end of this and I want to have given away as much as I possibly can, you're going to make an incredible impact in this world. Whether it's your time, whether it's your talent, whether it's your finances, whatever you do. Because that's exactly what Christ did for us. The only way that we could have life is that Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. That's it. Apart from the work of Jesus Christ, there's no way that we could have a right relationship with God. There's no way that we could have life. And so Jesus Christ set the example for us by laying his life down so that we can find it through him. And that's where you're going to find life at its fullest. So no matter if you're a graduating senior or if you're just taking that next step in life, trust God. Pursue him with all you have and he'll help you find that life. Would you pray with me this morning?